and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week's episode is called How to Get Out of Your Head. <laughs> um, this was inspired by someone asking me this question, like, you know, I'm an overthinker, how do I get out of my head and like into life? How do I just like receive opportunities? How do I pursue people I have feelings for? How do I form lasting connections? How do I like stop second guessing myself and like thinking my way into like not taking action basically? Um, before we start, I just want to give you a little life update slash let you know that my voice is like not doing well today. So we'll see how long this episode ends up being. I'm just like a little stuffy and like my voice is a little raw and I don't know what's going on, but I'm just a little bit under the weather. So sorry about how I sound. I'm a little husky, husky today. Um, and also yesterday I had my first therapy session in like nine years and I love therapy. I love therapy so much. I just like haven't been doing it because my first therapist was so great that she gave me so many tools to like do kind of an independent study as far as um, taking care of my own healing and I've been doing a lot of this work on my own and I've been managing really well on my own. Like I don't, I just didn't feel like I needed a lot of support and I could handle a lot of what was going on by myself. And I just like knew how to heal, but lately things have been kind of shaken up and <laughs> some feelings have been stirred and I felt like I did need support. And yesterday was amazing. I had like a good cry this morning about, about some of the stuff I talked about. I like connected with my inner child and I just feel like a lightness that I honestly haven't felt since right after the last time I was in therapy. So I guess I really did need it. And I'm just taking this room, this moment to remind you or like encourage you or reassure you that like, if you're thinking about doing it, do it. It's so amazing. I'm so happy and grateful to be back. And I can't wait to see how this show evolves and how my um, tool belt evolves as I undergo this new like era of being me. So um, yeah, I'm excited. So how to get out of your head? Like, let's start with just what is overthinking? You know, overthinking is kind of our mind trying to make sense of the world and like we're natural pattern seekers like we I think it's an evolutionary thing like if you're hunting you you usually just like sit and wait and watch and see how the world lives and then act upon that like you know, people who set up game trails, like they watch the little animals do their thing and then they set up the um, the traps based on where the animal's already going. So it's not about like lurk, like, <laughs> like stalking and like attacking. It's more about watching and waiting and then just like seizing the opportunity. And ditto with like predators treating us like prey, right? You like learn where the predators hang out. You notice their patterns and then you do everything you can to like keep yourself safe. And a lot of that like evolutionary stuff has stayed with us. You know, it's like why we are predisposed to be afraid of the dark or afraid of snakes or just like notice certain sounds or be able to pick up on the vibes of like a dangerous situation. These are all like evolutionary um, sort of reactions or like survival tactics. So as we move through life, we can't help but pick up on patterns, but sometimes our wires get crossed and like we translate what we're learning, especially as kids into like, <laughs> and they just get kind of scrambled and like, it's not exactly foolproof and we can start seeing the world in ways that it isn't actually. So like, something that I went through in early days of developing codependence was just like 
I, people like me better when I am like quiet, when I am docile, when I am submissive, when I am like over giving, like I have to do a lot to earn people's love because who I am inherently is not lovable. Like that's a message that I received loud and clear. And then I kind of made all of my life decisions based on that because I, I got the information that like when I am myself, I am either punished or rejected. And so I have to change something about me in order to be loved and accepted. And that is not the correct message, right? The correct message is that like, if my caretakers aren't approving of me, who I am inherently, if they reject me when I am myself, when I embody the fullness of me, they have a negative reaction to it. It actually says more about them than it does about me. It doesn't mean I'm unlovable. It means they had expectations of me that I was never gonna um, live up to because I'm just like, not that version. Like they were wrong in creating a fantasy of me that I am not. And it's none of my business what those expectations are. Like the only thing I have to do is just like be me, right? It doesn't say anything about my worth if someone rejected who I was. Like things with like being fat, being queer, being like bossy, being a fighter, like someone who stood up for myself, just like an individual being autistic, like all these reasons I was rejected early on that like I've had to work very hard to embody and become and like love and accept in myself. Um, And they didn't actually make me hard to love. The people who get me, who are on my wavelength, who are meant to love me forever, like totally get it and are super down for the ride. And um, I don't consider it a great loss to have lost people who could not get on board. You know what I mean? Like I'm not in the business of going places where I am not understood. So that's just one example from like my life. And what I've had to do is kind of like break open or like, I don't know, investigate, dive into those beliefs and untangle like the truth of the situation from the pattern that I misconstrued or like misinterpreted and that became a story I was telling myself about who I am and what I should expect out of life. If you haven't heard my episode, The Stories We Tell Ourselves, um, I get a little bit more into that in that one. So go listen to that if you're interested in that topic. So, you know, we get a lot of these messages like, (laughs) like, I don't know, like it's not okay to be ourselves. It's not okay to like disagree with our parents. It's, it's not okay, um, to be needy, to be demanding, to be difficult. And like human beings are needy and demanding and difficult. Like we all have struggles. And I think the reason why so many of us walk around kind of emotionally unavailable is because a parent early on made our emotions unacceptable. You know, it's like things like, I talked about this last time, boys don't cry or like, I'll give you something to cry about. Or, you know, people get so offended if their kids even like reject a hug or like tell them no or like talk back or, um, you know, really, or just play. Like there are things about just like being a kid that adults find super annoying, which is totally understandable (laughs) because sometimes it is, but it's also like, you should just let kids be kids. Like it shouldn't be a thing. Like it's the 19 fucking fifties and children should be seen and not heard. Like you should be validating their authenticity, their autonomy, their personhood And like when it comes time for kids to individuate or to like assert themselves, that should be welcomed and encouraged. And like the love should stay unconditional regardless of how your expectations don't match up. I think as like parents and adults and caregivers, we should constantly be checking our expectations of the little ones in our life, but also of each other, you know, like, am I seeing this person for who they are or am I seeing the expectations version of themselves, of them that I have in my head? Because, um, projecting 
your expectations of who someone should be onto them is not a loving thing to do. You're, it means you're not listening. It means you're not engaging with the real version of them. This is why I often say that like loving someone's potential is a trap. Um, we shouldn't be loving people's potential. We are not the boss of other people's potential. If someone like isn't living up to their own potential, that's their business, but like they ultimately know what their potential is. So really what you're doing is you're projecting your expectations of someone onto them and then getting upset with them for not being that version of themselves. And we tend to do it to each other. And usually if you're doing it to someone, they're probably doing it to you as well. And if we could just break that down and like not do that anymore and just really look at each other, really see each other and be like, you know what? I like who you are and I can deal with this. And like, I can work with this. I like this. I'm ready to go on this journey with you. And I'm ready to like unconditionally positively regard you and I understand that you will do the same for me and like we can be real with each other from here on out um is like the way to go and and if you look at someone and you're like actually I can't deal with this like you don't resonate with me the way you operate in the world isn't in alignment with the way I would like to operate in the world and then you can just go your separate ways instead of trying to force each other to be something you're not and delay the inevitable ending that should probably come and will probably be good for both of you. So long story long, <laughs> overthinking is just like misconstrued messaging. It's just trying to understand the patterns of life. And if you grew up in a chaotic environment, like they don't often make sense. Um, any, anybody who's dealt with a, like sort of an unstable or volatile parent figure knows the constant anxiety of like not knowing which version of your parent you're going to get, you know, when they're going to be in a good mood, when they're going to be in a bad mood, when they're going to get mad at you over nothing, like when that switch is going to flip, when everything's going to be growing great. And then all of a sudden the day is ruined. So you're always looking for the patterns. You're always looking to see when the other shoe is going to drop. You're always trying to anticipate someone else's feelings. And this becomes a thing that you think you have to do in all relationships. Um, my partner and I <laughs> have realized that because of because we both have trauma from our childhoods and also like trauma from past relationships, we early on found ourselves like scanning each other just like sort of constantly like a computer just being like like scanning for issues basically being like when's the other shoe gonna drop like when's the shit gonna hit the fan when's it gonna go all bad like when am I gonna do the thing that makes you not like me anymore but what that actually does is it just makes you more anxious and it just makes you it sort of blocks you from being present in the connection and getting to know one another and just like <laughs> trusting each other to communicate through any problem, which is actually the secret to a good relationship is just being able to communicate about anything and everything and like hear each other out. And, you know, that's a good example of like overthinking it or being in your head when you could be in the moment, which brings me to like, how do you get out of your head? So the first thing is, I think, to get what's in your head out of your head. You can do this effectively through journaling. That's a great way to do it. Um, it's a really safe space to be able to just like emotionally dump whatever you have going on. And as I have said many times before on this podcast, journaling is an incredible way to get insight into what's actually going on in your head because we're not aware of our thoughts at first. You have to teach yourself how to be aware of your thoughts. Um, putting it down on paper or in a phone or whatever and then going back and reading it is a great way to be like, oh, I didn't even know I felt that way or I didn't even know that was going on in my head. I didn't even know that was a fear of mine. I didn't even know that was an anxiety I had. And when you see it in your own handwriting or in your own words, and often it'll come up again and again and again because our brains tend to work in these like cyclical ways. We get stuck in these thought spirals that we don't, they're like almost in the background. Like we don't even notice them happening. It's like 
if you have abandonment issues, you might have the thought spiral that like everyone leaves, everyone leaves, nothing is forever, everyone leaves, no one's going to stick around, no one's going to love me forever, eventually I'm going to scare them off. Like, and you tell yourself this, and then you it kind of fuels whatever attachment style you have, and it comes out in self-sabotage, which is the reason why it's important to kind of get a handle on overthinking or overcome overthinking um, because it does kind of lead to self-sabotage. It's like, you know, when you're working as an artist or an entrepreneur or like, you know, someone who needs to put themselves out there or you want to grow in a career, you want to change jobs or whatever, there can be this like imposter syndrome that kind of pops up that's like, I would love to go perform at an open mic or I would love to take a burlesque class, or I would love to like try to write a short story, or I would love to make a career change and like have something more full time or like something that's actually a career instead of just like a part time day job or whatever. And and we, we like go to make these changes or like, I'd love to manifest a like serious long-term partnership and, and you decide, right. You're like, I'm going to do this thing. And then it's almost like the self-sabotage overthinking starts coming in. And it's like, what if it goes wrong? What if I'm really bad at it? What if I'm not ready for it? What if I make this change and I hate this job? Or like you start getting close to someone and then the fears start bubbling up. And then it's like, oh, I can't actually do this. Or like, let me cling on to them really tight and they get scared off or whatever. And then the overthinking kind of becomes this like monster that directs where we're going. And, and we end up getting further away from the thing we want instead of just being able to embrace it. Overthinking really keeps you out of the present moment and it kind of keeps you in your head. And it makes it really hard to kind of seize those opportunities when they come our way. So much in life and like personal growth and healing happens through intuitive insights. Like feelings um and and just being able to like know when to say yes and know when to say no I think it's also important to be discerning and like not jump at every opportunity or not try to make a relationship out of every connection but it's like it's important not to be coming from a place of like desperation and being like you'll do because I don't want to be alone you know what I mean but um Also being able to feel out the situation, feel out what steps to take, um, or even just be able to understand that like, oh, I'm big picturing this when I actually need to minutia this. Like I'm thinking of like the big picture goal and what I actually need to do is break down my steps into itty bitty bites instead of like huge chunks so that it feels doable and I don't like give up before I even start because it feels like there's too much to do. So getting it out, get it out of your head and into the ether, put it in a journal. For me, that's one of my favorite places to put it. If I'm spiraling about something, especially if I'm like embarrassed about it or I don't feel comfortable sharing it with someone else, um, or if I just don't really have a handle on it yet, you know, it takes me a while to like boil something down to its most coherent version in order to even share it with someone. And I don't often like to share things that are half-baked. I like it to be fully realized so that I can like effectively communicate my position and my feelings. And so like it really helps to kind of draft it in my journals first. Um, And if you don't feel comfortable doing that or you don't know where to start, um, you can do it through voice notes. You can just like walk around talking to yourself. You can... um, like reach out to a trusted friend or like mentor, you can get therapy, like you just need to have an outlet because the thing about the thick, the cyclical, the cyclical overthinking spirals is that they are incessant. I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I had a moment like before my healing journey started where I was like, I am sick to death of myself. Like hearing my thoughts all the time is driving me cuckoo snacks. Like I cannot take this anymore. I need to like mute it, turn it off. Like it's driving me crazy. And I haven't had that feeling in years. And that's because I know how to turn off that mechanism. In fact, it almost never happens unless I'm triggered. And and once you can kind of like 
get a bird's eye view and get a little bit more perspective and understand that you are not your thoughts, that like your thoughts are happening, but they're not you and that you can actually step outside of them and like get off the train and put your feet on the ground and like be present and calm down and quiet that voice. You can like actually take breaks from it. Um, it does become less of a constant thing and it's a huge relief to get there. So just being able to like exercise those demons is huge. It makes such a huge difference. Um, and having like a safe place to do that somewhere where you're not going to be judged, someone where you feel comfortable, um, just letting her rip and getting it out and not being worried, not overthinking, <laughs> uh, expelling the overthinking, right? Cause being like afraid that you're going to say something wrong and that someone's going to take it bad, which could happen because often when we're overthinking, like we're not really grounded in the truth of the situation We're we're uh, up here spiraling, you know, like it's not even really happening a lot of times. So it's just like scenario running, you know, you're just being like, what happens if this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And then before you know it, you're 10 years in the future and like everyone you love is dead. You know what I mean? Like it gets dark and extreme really quickly. So it's important to, um, to put it where it, people can handle it. Um, and not just dump on any old person, someone who's going to judge you, who's going to make you feel bad for it, and who's actually going to trigger you into overthinking worse. Um, I think it's also really important to surround yourself with people who tell you the truth, who can like reassure you when you can't see the forest for the trees, who understand your wounds and like handle them with care, and who can be there for you in these moments and help you... Um, get clarity when you need external help to get clear. And there's, you know, like everybody needs that from time to time. But regardless of how you get it out, it's important to get it out. It will run and run and run and run until it breaks your spirit and completely distances your, you from yourself. Um... You know, I, I talk about this all the time, but I think that when you have like trauma and abuse in your past, you internalized a lot of the harmful messages that were put in you by people who were supposed to love you and build you up and encourage you. And you internalize that as like, this is what I deserve. Like, this is my lot in life. This is what happens to me. Instead of being like, this person wasn't emotionally capable of caring for someone, of like accessing unconditional love, and that actually has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. And now it's my responsibility to like determine how I feel about myself, how I feel about the world, how I'm going to conduct myself in the world, who I'm going to show up as in relationships and in like the places I put myself in my life. And that I'm in the driver's seat of this experience. Like it takes a lot of healing and a lot of self-awareness to get there. And, um, and it's really hard to do when you have that drill sergeant in your head who's constantly reiterating those harmful messages. So it's super important to get them out, to like clear the space and become the driver of your experience and like the person who chooses the thoughts that you engage with. Um, you know, it's sort of like, almost like intrusive thoughts, but that have a very specific, like, voice to them. Someone once asked me, like, what, who is the mean voice in your head? You know, and I, it took me a few minutes, but I was like, it's my mom and my grandma and like one of my mom's terrible boyfriends who was super abusive to me. Like those are the people in my head who are saying mean things to me. Like my overthinking voice is actually their voice and like the things they said to me, the, the beliefs they instilled in me about myself. And when I really break it down, like are those people whose opinion I value? No. Are they people who I consider an authority on anything? No. Do there pe Are they people who I want to be like in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely not. Do I respect how they feel about me? No. Do I think it's correct in any way? No. So I can choose to redirect my thoughts in a different direction. And that's the next thing is like, 
you know, whenever you remove something, it's like addictions. Like if you have an addiction to one thing, often when you quit it, you kind of replace it with something else. It's like how ex-smokers often develop a, a candy habit because it like um, assuages the like oral fixation and the habitualness of smoking and stuff. So you can tend to just like put it on something else. You can always choose something like better for you, like not as bad for you as the original thing, but it's important to like heal the wound that you're trying to heal with like a substance or a habit um, to really get to the bottom of it and like break the habit. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, what needs to happen is like you take something away and you need something to like be in its place. And so reprogramming your brain is like the next step. Like you get all the gunk out you put it on the paper, you put it in your therapist's office, you like let it all out, you acknowledge its existence, right? You understand that there's thinking going on that seems to be out of your control and you start removing those thoughts. You look at them, you examine them. You're like, does this ring true for me? Does this resonate with me? Do I want to carry this with me for the rest of my life? And a lot of times that answer will be no, especially if it came from someone toxic or it came from um, a traumatic situation that you internalized as like your causing or your fault, then you, <laughs> then you throw it away if you want to throw it away. And if you want to hold on to it for a little while longer, you hold on to it. But there needs to be this like inventory taking of like what your thoughts actually are. It's really hard to stop overthinking. Like you can't just flip a switch one day and like your brain is turned off and you're no longer overthinking. It just doesn't really work like that. It's actually a very conscious, torturously slow <laughs> process that comes with a lot of grief, a lot of resentment, a lot of frustration. And, um, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's also really liberating, really beautiful and very rewarding and will change the course of your life in a more positive direction for the rest of your life. Like if you do this work, it will continue serve, serving you for the rest of your time on this planet and will serve the people in your life as well because you'll be leading by example of like how someone moves through the world um, leading with love, leading with self-love, leading with self-respect leading with boundaries and like you're able to show up and be present no matter the situation and being present is always going to serve you more than not being present. It's just like if if you're present in an activity, you're going to be better at that thing. If you're a present partner, you're going to be a better partner. If you're a present friend, you're going to be a better friend. If you're a present, you know, parent, you're going to be a better parent. Sorry, I just clapped. There's like a fruit fly buzzing around me and I just cla <laughs> clapped without even thinking. Um, so that's the next step is like take an inventory of what your thoughts even are. And it's going to hurt. It's going to be like a really harsh look in the mirror, but it is necessary work. And you'll start to see how kind of ridiculous your thoughts are. It's like when... Um, when you hear a friend talking really badly about themselves and you're like, hold up, do not talk about my friend that way. Like I wouldn't let a stranger talk about you like that. And I'm not going to let you talk about you like that. Like if you can sort of externalize yourself. And for me, it really, really helps to picture my inner child, like my little kid self and think like, should I be thinking these things about this person? And no, I shouldn't. Like, I want to be compassionate. I When I imagine in my mind's eye my little kid self and how brave and strong and wonderful and creative and, like, weird I was, but also how afraid and lonely and heartbroken and sad and just like hopeless I was um I want to be kind I want to be gentle I want to be the parent I never had and that is helpful for me it can be a little intense for some people to picture themselves as kids because those kid versions of themselves like went through a lot and it's hard to like 
feel the weight of that, but it is very helpful because it starts making you want to be more gentle with your thoughts and want you to be more mindful and conscious. Really quick, we're going to take a break for some ads, but we'll be back in a minute. Bye! Brought to you by the haunted mind of Brit Cannon. A walk-on production. Flight of the Final Girl. A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival. Run. Don't walk. It's Flight of the Final Girl. Anywhere books are sold. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about taking an inventory of your thoughts. Um, (laughs) It just, just start one thought at a time. Like do me a favor and for a week, write in a journal every day in the morning. And if you can at night before bed and just like put down the most menial, you know, what you wore, what you ate, and then get into like how you felt about it you know, any conflict you had throughout the day, any frustrations, just like put it all down on paper. And then at the end of the week, read through all of it and see if you can't notice some cyclical thinking going on. Like, um, you know, every time I have a conflict with someone, even though I want to stand up for myself, instead I just end up acquiescing and like giving into whatever they want because I'm afraid of the consequences of like, engaging in conflict because I don't want to be difficult because I don't want to be rejected because I don't want to be punished and I'm afraid of like the consequences of being real right or like you know I had three nightmares this week about my partner leaving me for someone else like maybe there's some abandonment issues going on like just without judgment if you can like just engage with the thoughts and recognize when they might be happening because I'm telling you it is like a broken record like you'll think the same things over and over and over and over or like every time my partner and I have conflict I just want to leave like I just want to end the whole thing and and check out and get out of here and notice those things um that will help you take the inventory and that will help take you to the next level which is like is this thing helping me and do I actually want to hold on to it I know this isn't as like quick fix as, as probably people want it to be, but it you don't always have to do all this work. Like eventually you find your way to a place of presence where the thinking isn't happening, where those thoughts have been transmuted into more positive and loving thoughts. And you know, you you're the boss of what you think, basically. And if you do have a kind of intrusive or negative thought pop up because you're triggered or whatever, you can recognize it. Like it's so um, unfamiliar to you that it it's shocking when it happens and you can recognize it more and more easily. So then we get to the level of like replacing the not so positive overthinking thoughts with like more positive thoughts or even just like more neutral thoughts, you know, like, um, everybody leaves, everybody always leaves me. I am someone who is like unlovable and I'm, and no one's going to ever love me forever. Like that's an extremely gloom and doom, like dramatic. It reminds me of, I think it's the nine of swords in the tarot, which is basically like a person sitting up in bed with like a bunch of swords hanging on their wall. It's the swords are classic, they're air sign or like air element um, cards. And they all talk about thinking, like overthinking, being very heady and like, and sometimes it's positive in the sense of like intellectual prowess or like being really sure of yourself, making very clear cut decisions, knowing what's right. And then sometimes it can be like, you are so in your head, like you don't know what's going on. And the, the nine of swords is about like the drama of it all. Like it's someone being like, no one has suffered as I have suffered. (laughs) And, um, it's sort of like that, you know, like no one is unworthy of love. No one walking this earth, like 
deserves the bad stuff that happened to them when they were kids. Like no one deserves judgment or ridicule. People make bad choices and usually those choices are informed by like undesirable circumstances in childhood or like throughout life. It can be systemic, it can be interpersonal, but it's just like we are all just doing the best we can with what we have and those who are doing worse usually have worse or have less to work with. And um, that's my most non-judgmental like take on things. And But like you are, you listener, dear listener, friend, soul family, like you are not inherently bad and you are not a burden. You didn't ruin anyone's life. Like you are just struggling through the muck like the rest of us and you deserve as much grace and patience as you would give anyone else. And the more grace and patience you give yourself, the more you'll be able to give to others and the more you will call in people who can give it to you. So Instead of thinking like, I am just destined to be abandoned, you can think like from a neutral perspective, like relationships end, like most connections are not meant to last a whole lifetime. Usually being able to end something is the sign of like, is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth. It's a sign of being on your path, being aligned with like, where you're supposed to be going, it means that you're growing. If you outgrow someone, if you stand up for yourself and something ends, you're better off without it. Like just from a neutral perspective, things end and that's okay. From a positive perspective, you can get into like, I am actually worthy of love. I'm worthy of respect. I I know that I would be a good long-term partner for or friend for someone. I know that I do my best. I know that I like try to be a loving force in this world. I know that I know how to take care of others. And and you know, that kind of love exists for other people, which means it exists for me too. Like it is in the world. It is currently happening. It's just a vibration I have to learn how to tap into. And um, let me start working on myself and get myself ready to manifest the kind of situation I'd like to be in. And like, and just trust that if something ends, then it's, it's meant to, Um, you know, there's like lots of different ways that you can reprogram your brain. It doesn't have to be all love and light. It doesn't have to be all neutral, but it definitely doesn't have to be all bad. Um, if you have feelings of like, I'm never going to be financially stable. (laughs) I used to have this feeling a lot. Like, in fact, a lot of my most miserable moments were fueled by my fears around never having financial independence or like security or stability. And, and just feeling like I have seen the pattern, like I am incapable of doing this. I'm incapable of taking care of myself in this way. Like the proof is in the pudding. Here I am still fucking poor, you know, (laughs) and, you know, a neutral, less judgmental way to look at it is just like capitalism fucking sucks. And like, it sucks that we have to participate in it. It's inhumane. It's like not conducive to happy living. Like humans are not meant to work this hard. We're primates. We're meant to rest most of the day. Like life should be about more than just going to work, coming home, recovering from work, going back to work. And it's not fair the way the system is set up, but like I'm going to try to participate in it in the least soul crushing way possible or in a more positive way of thinking of just sort of like opposite daying the, (laughs) the thought and being like, actually everyone has, has the ability to manifest the life they want everyone deserves a roof over their head food on the table like water to drink and um and it's you know I'm capable like I can figure it out people have figured it out for however long capitalism has been around and before that they figured out how to live in other unfair you know hierarchical systems and you know, I'll do it. Like, I'll figure it out. It's going to be okay. Like, let me just take it one day at a time. Let me try to make the best of the situation I'm in. Let me just like baby step my way out of this hellhole, <laughs> and, and, you know, do the best I can every day and just like be okay with that. 
Um, I don't know. It's just figuring out what feels best for you, what feels the healthiest, the most grounded, the most productive, and like what heals the wound caused by the thought in the first place or what starts to tend to it at least and will hopefully one day help it scab over, help the scab fall off, help the skin regrow. Um, and, and all you'll have left is like at worst, a little tiny scar, you know, um, overthinking is, can be almost like addictive in a way, because sometimes we have this, um, sort of like mild OCD in regards to that like pattern recognition I was talking about before where like we think if I worry about something it will make it not happen like almost that worry is this like magical tool that helps us that helps protect us from um, bad things happening. You know, like if I worry about getting cancer, it means I won't get cancer. If I worry about my partner leaving me, then I'm somehow controlling the situation and it means they won't leave me. But if I don't consider something, if I don't run the scenario, then it's probably going to happen. So I have to be hyper vigilant and always run all the worst scenarios so that I can make sure that it doesn't happen. And like, this is just magical thinking at its most toxic and um and it can be really hard to step out of that cycle because it gives us the illusion of control that's what overthinking is ultimately about it's about trying to grasp control in a life that is like mostly chaos you know and and it's that metaphor I use over and over again where it's like resistance versus surrender like you can totally, like it's it's totally possible to just let go and let God and flow down the river of life, just listening to your intuition and like having a relatively smooth journey. When you're thrashing around and trying to grasp onto roots and the roots keep breaking off and you grasp onto a rock, but it's too slippery, like you're getting where you're going regardless. The uh, One of my affirmations is just like, what's meant to be mine already is. You know what I mean? Like nothing that is for me will pass me by. And if I can just surrender to the process and like stop overthinking and just be present with the experience, I'll get there a lot less like flustered, <laughs> a lot more quickly and like a lot more gratefully and joyfully than if I resist every step of the way. And I'm constantly trying to exert control over the uncontrollable, which is ultimately like futile. Like eventually you're going to realize I actually have no say in this. Um, and I'm walking around mad at the world because I want to control something that cannot be controlled. And this is totally understandable. Like when you spent a lot of time in chaotic environments, especially as a kid where you're like literally trapped, like you don't have a say in anything that happens to you. You don't have a say in how you spend your time. You a lot of times don't even have a say in like your own body and like the choices you make, what you wear, like how you express yourself. You're under someone's thumb constantly. And if you have like an authoritarian, controlling, abusive parent figure in your life, it's like that much more extreme. You know, there are some parents who like really give their kid the message that they cannot do anything right that everything they do is like annoying or burdensome um and then we take that message in loud and clear and that's how we go through life constantly apologizing for our very existence and that's no way to live like no one deserves to feel that moving through life it's hard enough out here so um recognizing those thoughts reprogramming them with something more neutral or more gentle and then taking action in a more present way. So it really helps to engage with things that put you in that flow state, that put you in presence. 
for me, like from a non-capitalist or like non-doing things sort of um, in a more simplistic way of doing things, like cleaning is this for me. Cleaning, I am so present when I'm cleaning. I love the act of making something more beautiful. I've come to kind of view cleaning as like a day off almost. Like I enjoy it so, so much that it's, like it feels like I'm taking a break. It's something I'm doing for myself. Going for a walk in nature, just like witnessing beauty, being present with the moment. That is huge. Um, dance, like just dancing around your apartment, having a lovely deep conversation with friends or like loved ones where everyone's being really vulnerable and honest. Laughter, like real belly laugh, <laughs> contagious laughter can put you in the flow state, um, making art, creating things, reading a good book, like just anyway, all the ways that you find to be present, adding those into your life more and more and more. For me also, a great way to stop overthinking is to engage with movement, to work out. Working out is like the thing that stops my brain from overthinking because I'm all that extra pent up energy that I would have in my body that would normally manifest as like anxiety or worrying or like just kind of being in my head gets released in physical activity. And then my, my body's almost like, I don't even know, like beaten into submission. Like it, um, I'm, it forces me to relax because I'm almost like too tired to overthink. And, and it also helps me kind of um, turn my engine over. Like I use this metaphor a lot for like my before life and my afterlife of like healing. And this thing happened where like I used to, when I would go to take action, I would just stand there with my metaphorical lawnmower and just pull the cord and pull the cord and pull the cord. But the engine would never catch because I just like, I couldn't get the timing right. I couldn't get the force right. And I just could never get that thing to ignite. And these days I pull the cord and it starts on the first time because I'm just like clicked into that flow state. I'm just super present with, with what I do. I have plans and I take action according to my plans. And I'm just like so sure of what my next step is that, um, that it's like instantaneous. So figuring out an outlet for that anxious energy Yoga is life-changing. Meditation, obviously, I highly recommend. Um, getting in touch with your intuition. Like, you know, humans tend to be creatures of habit, but sometimes we can kind of coast and like get in autopilot mode. And autopilot, not being present with your life, leaves a lot of room for overthinking. So like if you drive to work the same time, the same exact way, the same exact time every day, you pass the same people, the same places, you like stop at the same spot for coffee, like once in a while, let your intuition guide the way and kind of shake things up. And being in a new environment or doing things in a new way can open up your intuition. And it can also guide you in directions that like lead you to information and experiences that are sort of perfectly tailored by the universe for you to help you grow. When I first um, really, really, really started getting spiritual, I was going for like these long walks on the beach every day and I would walk this is in Virginia, I would walk down the beach. And then one day I was like, oh, maybe I'll walk to the library because there's a library down the way. I stop at the library. I start perusing the shelves. And every week I would check out these like music documentaries. And I was getting, I was learning so much from them. And, and it started to become a thing I like really looked forward to. This is when I was single. I like barely had any friends. And I could have just sat around feeling lonely, feeling sorry for myself, being like, oh my God, here I am at almost 30 having to start over again. <laughs> but instead I was like enriching my life by getting out of my groove, getting out of my patterns and just living kind of intuitively. And it led me to this resource that ended up serving me for years to come. Like I still think about those documentaries and like concerts and memoirs that I would check out and, um, and have like these really 
profound insights while I was engaging with them. Uh, So like getting in touch with your intuition by practicing being intuitive and getting out of these kind of rigid patterns that we live our life by that allow us to kind of coast and be on autopilot. Like there's no reason that people should be driving motor vehicles on autopilot. Like I, when I think back to like when I used to drive to work and I wouldn't remember driving, like I would get in my car, I would drive all the way to work. I would get there and I'd be like, Oh my God, I don't even remember driving the car. Like I wasn't even being present. Obviously I got there safe and sound, but it's just like, that is so scary. And actually when I think about the millions of people who are living their lives on autopilot, you know, who like, are on their phones instead of engaging with their families who are barely present, barely awake, you know, maybe two weeks a year when they're on vacation, they feel alive. But other than that, they're, they're, they're just kind of checked out. It's really sad. Like there's so much richness and joy and beauty and like awe inspiring things to witness in the most mundane life on a day-to-day basis. Like the way the sun shines through leaves or like the way a good wind feels on a spring day or like a a nice conversation with a stranger or, you know, just like really intently listening to a favorite song and like noticing a new guitar lick or like a maraca in the background. Like you can get down to like the dirty, dirty details and, um, and it's like experiencing something for the first time. And like, the depth and the love and the like bliss that that comes from these moments of sheer presence undisturbed presence are just like it's one of the greatest feelings in the world and like the fact that moments like that practices like that have literally saved me from depression like they have made life worth living And that's why it's so, so important to get out of your head into your body and like connect with life. That's why I think exercise is so helpful um, with regard to stopping overthinking because like if you're in your body as opposed to just like in your head all the time, you know, it's easier to be present and it's easier to kind of quiet the mind and just be you know, like be without judgment, be without criticism, just like exist as you are. And there's like a, an infinite reservoir of love in in being, like in just being. And um, we all deserve to have like a safe place to land. We all deserve to feel loved and supported and feel belonging and feel confident and sure and connected to our authenticity. And, you know, a lot of times along this healing journey, it's a lot to ask to ha- to be surrounded by that externally. Like sometimes, especially when you've had to rid yourself of a lot of toxic situations, you know, you've weeded your garden and all that's left is like a couple little twigs, you know, <laughs> you can feel like, oh no, what have I done? Um, so you have to learn how to be that for yourself and it's really hard and really lonely and triggering as hell. You know, it makes you feel like, God, I started on this journey and now like all of my biggest fears have been realized and I'm like totally alone and who's going to love me now? You know what I mean? But you can love yourself So if you don't have a safe place to land, or even if you do have a safe place to land, um, try to become that for yourself. Step out of the cyclical, like, merry-go-round from hell of overthinking, even just for like a moment at a time, even if it's just for a moment at a time, even if it's just for like one journal writing session or like, one moment of beauty just like give yourself the gift of presence um and watch it bloom like watch it continue to expand to kind of ping off other areas in your life to start creating more and more love and compassion and radical self-acceptance and you will grow exponentially like nothing is linear but this 
practice of just like quieting the ego mind and growing the intuition, replacing those harmful thoughts with loving ones or neutral ones, if that's as far as you want to go, um, it releases so much and it raises your vibration to such a place that you kind of like take off like a rocket ship. Like things start moving more quickly than you realize was possible. And, you know, it feels like in a few short years, your life is unrecognizable. You are unrecognizable. The most amazing thing happened when I went to therapy yesterday where she like asked me where I, why I was coming and like what my last experience with therapy was like. And the person I was describing as the person who started therapy nine years ago is like, I mean, that person's still in me, you know, like I haven't fully rejected all of my past selves, but I have become something so different. It really is to use a cliche like I used to be a caterpillar and now I am a butterfly. Like I have been broken down to goo and formed into something completely different. And like, I'm so proud of that journey. I don't regret a single moment of it because becoming this person has been a gift. It's become a blessing. And like to be happy, to be stable, to be confident um, to have built my life on the firmest foundation because it's built from me. Like it's from the authenticity of me, from my soul, from my spirit. And nobody can take that away from me. Like no one is able to put a bad thought about me in my head. First of all, no one in my life does that because everyone just like loves and accepts me and values me. But even when someone has tried it doesn't stick because I know better, you know? And I'm like, I've worked hard to retrain my brain to stop overthinking and stop replaying these narratives that are really like not about me, not accurate um, descriptions of me. And like, I don't resonate with. So like, I'm not going to put a new one in now. And it kind of protects you from falling into those same toxic relationship patterns because you're just like, why would I do that to myself again? You know, like I'm in the driver's seat now and I'm not going that way. <laughs> and that is so, so powerful. So I wish for all of you listeners to cultivate moments of rest from your overthinking mind without substances, you know, without numbing out or distracting but instead by being fully present in at least one little moment at a time. I promise you it will change everything. The Walk On Podcast is a production of Walk On Productions. It is written, recorded, hosted, produced, and marketed by yours truly. <laughs> That's right, folks. It's a one-person dog and pony show. If you'd like to help keep us afloat, you can donate on our anchor.fm page. That's anchor.fm backslash Brit Cannon. You can also go to my website, BritCannon.me, to access lots of other things like the blog that goes along with this podcast, my two YouTube channels, the Walk On Podcast YouTube channel, and my personal YouTube channel that features my poetry and music. You can access the album Shiny Silver Snakes that I made with my good friend Lokomoko. You can find Mantra, the EP that Walk On, the theme song to this podcast, is part of. And you can find Flight of the Final Girl, which is my debut poetry collection. There's also merch, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, lots of other stuff with the swears on them. <laughs> there are photos, videos, and links to all of the services I offer, including tarot readings, astrology readings, mentorship services, if you'd like some one-on-one -on -one consultations outside of the realm of tarot and astrology. And you can also access my self-love course, which is a 30-day journal-centered self-love course that is designed to help you build a deeper friendship and more loving relationship with yourself. There are journal prompts, guided meditations, self-care rituals, letter writing assignments, and a whole lot more. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Until next time. Bye.